Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a lesson on spiritual health. Our goal is to make sure that our branch is bearing as much fruit as possible because God is glorified not just by fruit, but much fruit. It's not just the quality, it's the quantity as well of the fruit. And again, God cares about the vitality of your and my spiritual lives. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Sometimes Christians tend to rely on the fumes of their spiritual history instead of nurturing their present connection with God. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt reminds us that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But when we abide in Him, our lives are guaranteed to bear much fruit. It's a message from The Upper Room. It's titled, If the Root is Good, the Fruit is Good. And you can access the full series online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve. It's Thursday of Jesus' Passion Week. He is gathered in the upper story of a residence in Jerusalem. He is there with his 12 disciples. And on the mind of the disciples is which of them is the greatest. On the mind of Jesus is preparing them for his death and soon departure. We saw that Jesus ignores all cultural expectations as the rabbi takes up the basin and the towel and washes their feet, giving them an example of greatness in servanthood. He uh, subtly identifies Judas as his betrayer, and Judas runs out of the room and down the stairs to his treachery. And from then on until John 17, which is the high priestly prayer of Jesus, Jesus teaches about salvation, about his heavenly Father, and about the Holy Spirit. And one thing, as a side note, that's fascinating to realize about the upper room is that Jesus basically talks to them about God and the implications of who God is. By the way, you know a good pastor does the same. He talks to you about God and the implications of who he is. And by the way, I aim to be a good pastor to you today as we do so. Follow that example. What Jesus is doing, though, is he is preparing them for his departure. And the disciples, no doubt, are listening to this, and they're thinking, yeah, his departure, you know, like long in the future. What they don't realize is he's going to be dead in 18 hours. Jesus knows that. The disciples do not. And so the upper room discourse, this section in John, is essentially the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus has urgency around this messaging. Uh, And by the way, John's gospel has urgency around this messaging. These chapters of the upper room, if they were their own book, would be the 10th longest book in the entire New Testament. So John said this was really important and we should approach it similarly. Now I gotta tell you, when we started the upper room, there's certain parts of this that I was excited about. And what we have in front of us today is one of those things. I have, I've had my eye on John 15 uh, because I've never taught this before. I've never really studied it in depth before. And I was excited and I am excited today to share with you some of the things that I have learned and discovered and I hope is a blessing to you. 
It is a beloved section of scripture, which I find ironic because some of the things in here should terrify us, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. So our text today is John 15, and we are gonna be in verses one through five. Let me read our text today. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. May God bless his word to us today. This vine and branch illustration, you'll note, goes all the way through verse 11. So we've got another message next week on this continued theme. I am the true vine. This is the last in a long series of the famous I am statements that Jesus makes. If you've read through the gospels, you know that I am the good shepherd and I am uh, the door and, and I am the way, the truth, and the life and many others. This is the last one in John's gospel and we see in this that Jesus was the master illustrator. He would take truths that he knew in his, his infinite mind, and he would make it understandable to common folk like you and me. And he would oftentimes use illustrations. And the reason for that is that we humans, we need illustrations to kind of get things. When we hear an illustration, it makes the truth sticky to us. We kind of get it. So for example... Uh, Jesus could say, I love you, or he could say, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And in the illustration, there's, there's an expanding of what it means for Jesus to love us in a kind of illustrative way that simply the propositional statement doesn't necessarily communicate. And so Jesus did this, and he was the master illustrator. And here is one of truly one of his famous illustrations where he says, I am the vine. Now, why do you suppose that Jesus would illustrate with a vine? And you have to bear in mind that he's there in the Middle East and Israel was, and to this day is, a very gnarly, viney land. If you go there, you'll quickly see that. You don't have to go there because we know, for example, when the spies went into the land. What did they bring back to show what kind of land the promised land was? Remember that giant cluster of grapes that they were all amazed at? And grapes to this day are used by the tourism department of Israel to, it's like the symbol of Israel, the, the, the cluster of grapes. So I think he has in mind here a grape vine. Uh, and you might want to bear that in mind as we, as we go along here. But grapes and vines and Israel, they were very familiar with, with it. I think if Jesus was ministering in Indiana, he might have, uh, you know, here we are in the land of farms and dune grass and, and uh, you know, deciduous trees. He might have said this. He might have said, I am the oak and you are the branches. I am the cornstalk and you are the leaves and the silk. 
something like that. But in Israel, if he goes, I'm the vine, they all understand vines. They are everywhere. They grew up with them. They understood vines and branches. Now, as we get into the what he's saying here, let's identify the what's and the who's. Okay, so who is the vine? Who is the vine dresser? What does it mean to bear fruit? And who are the branches? Okay, so let's list the characters here and figure out who he's talking about. I am the vine. This is the easy one, class. Okay, I am the vine. Who is he? Who is he describing himself? Okay. Now note that it says true vine, okay? True vine, what does that mean? Well, that little word there, there's scholarly debate about this. And, you know, I, I, the, the commentaries on John are some of the biggest books I have in my whole library. Like John, there is so much like just pages and pages of, you know, speculation and scholarship on the gospel of John. And this is one of those because in the Old Testament, uh, Israel is often referred to as the vine of God. And when it says that, most often it's judgment on Israel as the vine because they are not bearing the fruit that the people of God ought to, ought to bear. And so the scholars get into this and they're saying, is Jesus saying that, you know, the Old Testament vine didn't work, but I am the true vine? Psalm 80, Isaiah, Jeremiah, other places kind of, get to this, but a true vine would have branches of true believers bearing true spiritual fruit. Why is that? Because if the root is good, the fruit is good, okay? If the root is good, the fruit is good. And Jesus is the good, true root of the people of God. He is the true vine. Now, who is the, ESV says, vine dresser? I'm gonna guess most of you have never said that word in your entire life. That is not a common word for us. But notice he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Okay, so this is God the father. This is triunity here. He is saying that I'm the vine. God the father is the farmer. He is the vineyard owner. He is the master gardener who cares for the health of the vine, who cares for the health of the branches, who cares for the health of the fruit. And so here's a reassurance, by the way, that God the Father, if you're a branch, God the Father cares about you. He's got his eye on you. He knows the quality of your spiritual life, and he cares to produce much fruit. In fact, in verse 8, it's, he says this, by this, my father is glorified that you bear, what's the next word? Much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. So it's important here to keep verse eight in mind as we uh, exegete the text here because the aim of God the Father through the branches is that we as the people of God would bear much fruit. Why? Because he's glorified when we do. And what is the ultimate aim of God and us? It is the glory of God. Do you realize that God is glorified in your life when you produce spiritual fruit? He is praised. He is, he is honored by the quality of our walk with him. 
and the fruit that we're bearing in our life. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. So our goal then, through the grid of this illustration, our goal is to make sure that our branch is bearing as much fruit as possible because God is glorified not just by fruit, but much fruit. It's not just the quality, it's the quantity as well of the fruit. And again, God cares about the vitality of your and my spiritual lives. And may I just ask, how are you doing? What's the, what's the farmer thinking as he looks at your branch? Keep that in mind. Now, who are the branches? This is also uh, fairly obvious. The branches here are genuine Christians. And I say genuine Christians because the dead branches are the not genuine. I wouldn't even say Christians. They are the pretenders. We'll get into that in a moment. So the branches, genuine Christians. Who is or what is the fruit? Here's the key. This is the whole point of the whole illustration. The fruit for us is spiritual evidence of spiritual life in us. The fruit is the evidence that we are actually connected to the vine. And so notice here that this isn't so much about the how or the what of the fruit, but the necessity of it. How do I know that I'm actually connected to the vine? Or some of you might say, how, how do I know that I'm actually under the grace of God? How do I know that I'm actually saved? This is saying that spiritual fruit is the evidence that I'm connected to the vine, that I'm under the grace of God, that I am connected to the life and the vibrancy of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, I might add, which will always produce blossoms and fruit on my branch. And again, it is the necessity of this. And you say, well, how can you know that? Because if the root is good, there will always be fruit. And we know the root is good because who's the root? Jesus Christ. And anyone who is vitally connected to the power, the vibrancy of the life of Jesus Christ, they are going to bear spiritual fruit in their life. Now, with that said, okay, so we've laid out who's what and what's what here. Let's look again now at what Jesus is saying. Verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it might bear more fruit. One thing I love about Jesus' illustrations is they're really simple. Okay? We would think, oh, the son of God, he would probably have these incredibly, I couldn't even understand his illustrations. No, Jesus taught deeply, but he illustrated simply. This is an illustration. Every single one of those disciples who are listening, they could understand this. They didn't have to go, I'm kind of confused about the pruning thing. No, they all got it. They all understood that you have to, you have to prune. And this is like gardening 101. I'm gonna guess that most of you probably have a plant in your apartment or your house or maybe outside your house that occasionally when there's a little, you know, a little dead leaf or something like that, you're gonna go, bloop, right? Next time you do that, I want you to think, John 15, okay? This is what Jesus is doing. 
You probably have plants outside your house that at, in the fall or the spring or something, you, you cut it back, right? Those plants, you gotta cut them, you gotta cut them down. It doesn't mean you hate the, tr- the brand or the, the plant. It means you love the plant and you delight in the blossoms of the plant, right? It's kind of basic gardening 101. Other than water, it's like the two basic things any doofus can do, okay? Doofus not in the notes, by the way. So that's the positive. But notice, the, this is kind of the terrifying part of this, that for the health of the vine, these dead branches have to also be taken away. The presence of the dead branches, while maybe connected physically to the vine, not connected internally to the vine, they are dead weight on the plant. They're taking up space. It's got to be cleared away for that vine to become all that it can be. Who is Jesus here describing as fruitless branches? These are people who are around Jesus. They're around the things of God and gospel ministry. They are near to Jesus. Indeed, they appear to be connected to Jesus. But in reality, they are not. They are fruitless branches. They are dead branches, no matter how much they resemble actual true branches. And this should be a very sobering consideration for us, that you can appear to be a branch, but not be connected to the life and the vitality of Jesus Christ. Our house has trees around it. And whenever one of these Indiana windstorms come, and we have them periodically, you know, the 50 mile an hour, whatever. Our yard is littered with branches. Me and the girls, we go out there and we pick them up and, you know, we're cleaning up all these branches. And you know what I've noticed uh, over the years as I've picked up these branches? It's very rare to pick up a branch after a windstorm that has leaves on it. What is that windstorm doing? Is it killing branches? No, it's showing the branches that are not actually connected to the sap and the life of the tree. They were connected to the tree, but not to the life of the tree, not the nutrients, not the sap of the tree. Or to ask this question, if you want to, if you're going to trim back trees in your yard, do you, you have to identify which branches are, are the dead ones. Do you do that in the winter or in the summer? And you know the answer, obviously, because in the winter, they all look dead. But in the summer, you can see the ones that are alive and you can see the ones that are not. Now you know which branches are connected and which branches are not. Now, spiritually, you're like, wait, I'm confused. Let me give you a good example right from the upper room. Let's think about Judas Iscariot. Here you have Judas, hand-picked disciple of Jesus, spent three years living with Jesus, seeing all the miracles, preached himself, and apparently good things happened. Lived a kind of disciple life with the other 11 that none of the other 11 suspected that Judas was actually the betrayer. And yet, in the end, what do we find out? That Judas was not actually in Christ. He was not actually vitally connected, not like the other 11. The other 11 all died as martyrs or near martyrs for Jesus. Judas died a tragic death. 
Think of the parable of the wheat and the tares as another example of this in the scriptures, where Jesus says that there were you know, there was a wheat field and, and uh, somebody, an enemy sowed tares and tares are a kind of plant that look just like wheat. You don't know they're not wheat until at the end when they, when they blossom, they look now all of a sudden different. And the, and the point of that story is that, you know, in the, within the realm of the, of, the, of the people of God or the church, you have people that are actually connected to Jesus and they are bearing fruit, but you always have the dead branches, you always have the tares, you always have the Judases who on the surface appear to be connected, but in reality are not. They are dead branches. To think about how easy it is in church world and church life to be that way. Here's a sobering reality for me. There is no mathematical possible way that everybody here is actually saved. There's no chance of that. Guaranteed, here in this room, we have dead branches, okay? How many? I don't know. God's the judge, not me. I just kind of worry about my own branch. And now as a pastor, I worry about your branch too, but you know what I'm saying? To realize that that, is, that was the case amongst Jesus' 12, and that is the case in every single church that has ever existed. And I want you to be asking the question, is it me? Am I connected actually to the life and the vitality by the Holy Spirit through the gospel, the power of Jesus? Am I a genuine Christian? Because the story here shows that there's really only two types of people. You have dead branches that are taken away, and later he's going to say burned in the fire. And you have good branches that are pruned. That's the only two choices. You're either dead and being taken away or being pruned all the time in your life. Now, we all would maybe wish for a third option, but this is the reality. You're either one or the other. Verse two, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so you have the kind of cutting that is taking away the dead branches, and then you have the kind of cutting that is actually a pruning, okay, a pruning. Pruning is also gardening 101. You gotta do a little bit of pruning, you know, snip, little snip here, little dead head there, a little kinda taking care of the plant or the tree. You've probably done that yourself. Gotta water it, but that's like basic gardening 101. A master gardener, a vineyard owner, is highly committed to the health of the vines and in that care for the vines will even snip and prune the branches he loves in order for them to bear more fruit in their life. We can find comfort knowing that God's pruning is ultimately guiding us toward a life of greater purpose and spiritual abundance. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and a message called, If the Root is Good, the fruit is good. If you tuned in late today, I want to remind you that you can always go back and replay any message you might have missed by going to thejourney.fm. Well, here on The Journey, our aim is to guide you in your life journey towards the unwavering and immutable truth found in God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and internet, we take you into the depth of Scripture while making its truth easy to understand and applicable to your daily life. But as a listener-supported program, None of this would be possible without you. Your financial support helps us broadcast the Journey's Bible teaching program. 
And when you make a generous gift of any amount to this ministry, you're helping us reach even more people. So will you join us? You can give by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And when you give, we'll say thanks by sending you a book by best-selling author and pastor John MacArthur. It's titled, The Upper Room, Jesus' Parting Promises for Troubled Hearts. In the upper room, Pastor MacArthur takes us back to that night and the glorious hope that we have in Christ. This is Vintage MacArthur, an expression of the text that resonates with devotion to the Lord and the love for God's people, calling us to know and love the one who loved us to the end. You can request your copy today when you call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or go online to thejourney.fm. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve continues the message, If the root is good, the fruit is good. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.